Well, good morning, uh, everyone. Morning to those who are here uh, in the sanctuary and a welcome to you uh, on Zoom to our uh, Good Friday uh, communion service. Um, we will be sharing, uh, obviously sharing communion uh, later and uh, there'll be an opportunity for us to bring open prayers uh, to God for the world, for Ukraine, for people who need a touch of God's healing grace and mercy uh, at this time. So just to flag that up, there will be an open time of prayer and uh, Adrian will be uh, walking around with the microphone. So if you want to pray, please put your, put your hand up in that open time and uh, Adrian will, will come to you with the microphone. And if you're on Zoom, please feel free to unmute and to pray in that uh, open prayer time. I'm going to read um, some words from Psalm 22, and then we're going to watch a, a, a video that's a reflection on Psalm 22. Um, so I'm, this psalm was written um, hundreds of years before uh, Christ came into the world and gave his life on the cross. And King David wrote of his own sufferings. And King David's sufferings became a prophetic word um, many of these prophecies that David writes about in Psalm 22 were fulfilled in Christ on the cross, as we'll see from Mark's gospel account. So David writes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from, my, from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and I'm not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions tearing their prey. Open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. That was all written by David as a prophetic word of the sufferings of, of Christ. We're going to just spend a few moments now as we watch this video with words coming up um, of Psalm 22. I want you just to approach God in awe and wonder, perhaps bringing your sin to him to the foot of the cross and asking him to forgive you and to prepare you 
for this time of this holy moment with God. Jesus, we recognise we're on holy ground. We stand in awe and wonder again at the foot of the cross. And as we draw near to you, we ask you by your spirit to draw near to us. May you be enthroned, Jesus, and glorified on the praises of your people this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now Mary's going to bring us our first reading from Mark 15, 1 to 15. (coughs) 
Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin reached a decision. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply and Pilate was amazed. Now it was the custom at the feast to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate, knowing it was out of envy that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. We're going to stand together and sing, you laid aside your majesty. Shit. 
be seated. Jude is going to bring us our second reading. The reading is taken from Mark 15. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and they called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, they twisted a crown of thorns, and they set it on him, and they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews. Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff, and they spit on him, Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him, and when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and they put his clothes on him. Then they laid him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him, dividing up his clothes. They cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by, they hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, so you who are going to do, destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, they mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. We're going to stand and sing, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross.
Paul's going to bring us the third reading. The death of Jesus. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. At three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani." which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he is calling to Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone, they said. If Elijah comes down to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed it at last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph and St. Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were there also. Darkness dominates Mark's account of Jesus' death. There's the physical sign of darkness that surrounds Jesus on the cross for three hours. The, sign of, the physical sign of darkness shows God's judgment on human sin and evil, the sin that Jesus was carrying on the cross. And then there's the spiritual darkness of Jesus' cry from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? with Jesus quoting directly from David in Psalm 22. And those words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, show us that on the cross, Jesus experienced profound abandonment by God the Father. This was worse than the shame, worse than the nakedness, worse than the torture and the suffering, was that God the Father had deserted God the Son. He who had lived for eternity in close harmony with the Father and proclaimed him to be a God of grace was deserted at the moment of his greatest need. Remember, of course, that at Jesus' baptism, the heavens had been torn open. The Holy Spirit had descended on Jesus in the form of a dove. And those beautiful words had come from the Father you are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. But as Jesus hung there in agony on the cross, in the darkness, there were no words from the Father for the Son. Only words cried out of abandonment from the Son to the Father. My God, 
my God, why have you forsaken me? Surely it's a paradox that at the very moment when Jesus was embodying the love of God in the cross, he found himself totally separated from that love. Why should this be so? Surely it is because by dying in the place of sinners, Christ so identifies with sin that the close relationship between the Father and the Son is inevitably severed. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ was made to be sin. And so God the Father in his awesome holiness and moral perfection was too pure to look on evil. And so the connection from eternity between father and son was severed. How can this be? Some have sought to solve the mystery by saying that it was the human nature only of Christ that suffered and died. Only in his humanity was he abandoned by God, while his divine nature was not abandoned. So in his divinity, some theologians have said that Christ remained in fellowship with the Father throughout. But surely this is to tear Jesus into two parts with opposite qualities, a humanity that suffered and a divinity that could not suffer. The scripture teaches that there is no separation between the humanity and the divinity of Christ, that he is one, that he is whole, and either the whole of him suffered or none of him suffered. As the Apostles' Creed said, says, he is indivisible in his humanity and divinity. In the end, we are left with a mystery that in our limited human minds we'll never be able to resolve. There is much mystery in that cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? To be a Christian is to live with mystery. It's to live with unanswered questions. It's to wrestle in the darkness of our lack of understanding. There are some questions this side of eternity that we will never fully comprehend. And I believe that this is one of them. The wonder is that the incarnate Christ could die the most bitter of all deaths. And that in doing so, God the Father who abandons his son is yet present in this scene, resolving the problem of our sin. Uh, the great reformed uh, theologian Martin Luther summed up this paradox like this. He said, we can flee from God who in his anger justly judges our sin. And yet we can also flee to God in the crucified Christ to find mercy. The wonder is that God reveals himself both in the mystery and in the hiddenness of the cross. The fact that Christ entered into the depth of darkness on the cross means that he's able to identify sympathetically with the very darkest of human situations. Do you ever have dark days? Days where you feel isolated, abandoned. Christ hung there abandoned, isolated, mocked, scorned in the darkness for three hours. 
a God who remained majestically insulated in his heaven, impervious to our suffering, would not be a worthy or credible God in a suffering world. As you watch the horrible images of war on the TV screen, keep in mind the Christ who hung and suffered in the darkness for you and for this broken and evil and unjust world. Derek Tidball puts it like this, we have a theology which can address situations like the Holocaust without sham or condescension. We might also want to add the war in Ukraine to that statement today. There are no depths of human experience to which men and women can sink, to which God in Christ has not already plunged. Christ is able to share with us the pain of desertion, the loneliness of suffering, the darkness of depression, the bewilderment of circumstances, the agony of death, because he has been there. But by being there, Jesus did more than tell us that he knows how we feel. Christ did more than tell us that he shares our pain and enters into our suffering. You see, he transforms our suffering with his love. He brings light out of darkness, life out of death. Graham Kendrick, in the last verse of the song, Come and See, says it well. Man of heaven, born to earth, to restore us to your heaven. Here we bow in awe beneath your searching eyes. From your tears comes our joy. From your death, our life shall spring. By your resurrection power, we shall rise. You see, the ability of Jesus to empathize with our weakness through the suffering of the cross is not the end of the story of Easter. Because Jesus overcame death through his resurrection, and because Christ has now ascended and, it, and is exalted at the right hand of the Father, he has poured out the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, on all who look to him. And it is the Holy Spirit God's breath living in us, who pours out the love of God into our hearts. As Paul says in Romans 5, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you hung and suffered there for us that it was our sin, my sin, that held you there, not the nails, it was my sin. Thank you that you identify, sympathize with us in our weakness, that you have lived through the darkness of the cross and even death itself, 
There is, thank you that there is no human experience of which you have not partaken. No suffering, no evil, too horrible that you cannot identify with it. But thank you, Jesus, that you don't just sympathize with us in our weakness. You transform our darkness with your light. You transform situations of death and hopelessness with life through your resurrection. Oh, come now, Spirit of God, and fill us afresh with hope. Fill us afresh with resurrection power that we might rise today with new life and be carriers of hope in this dark world. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to stand and sing as we prepare to come around the communion table. How deep the Father's love for us.
Matthew's account of the Last Supper, the Passover meal that Jesus shared with his disciples on Monday, Thursday evening. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. While they're eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Surely not I, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go, just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, in these simple elements of bread and wine, we remember your body pierced, as a sacrifice for sin, and we remember your blood in the wine poured out for the forgiveness of our sin. The wine of the new covenant in your blood, a new relationship sealed by the Holy Spirit in us. And Lord, this is not just a memorial Lord, this is not just a looking back with thanksgiving, although surely it is that at least. Lord Jesus, we recognize that as we partake of bread and wine, we are one body, and we have fellowship together through the Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that as we eat and drink, that you would strengthen us with power, that you would come and fill us afresh with the Father's love. Remind us of the grace of this table, the forgiveness of this table. Remind us of the, the arms outstretched of Jesus, welcoming us home, reconciling us to God. And Jesus, we remember that this meal speaks of a future heavenly banquet. One day, we shall sit down in a heavenly banquet, the marriage supper of the Lamb, where the bride, the church, will be reunited with the bridegroom, with Christ, and we shall feast for eternity in a new heaven and a new earth. And so, Jesus, we eat and drink, anticipating the eternal heavenly banquet in your presence. So we look back with thanksgiving. We ask, Holy Spirit, you'd come to us now and we look ahead with hope to your coming again, Jesus, and your eternal kingdom. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me 
and thank you that death is not the end, but that you are alive and risen and ascended and that you are victorious and exalted at the right hand of the Father. And thank you that you are coming again for your church. Thank you for the privilege, Father, of entering into fellowship with you, all because Jesus gave up his life. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We will eat the bread as we receive it. So we remember that Jesus took bread and he distributed it to his disciples. He said, take and eat. We remember that after supper, Jesus took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. We will hold on to our cups and all drink together as a sign that we are one body with one faith and one Lord and one baptism.
So we drink this cup with thanksgiving. An opportunity now for open prayer. Maybe you want to bring a prayer of thanksgiving to Christ. Maybe you want to bring a prayer of intercession for the world or for people you know who need Christ's grace and mercy and healing and help. As, uh, if you're on Zoom, please do unmute and uh, lead us in prayer. Or if you're in the sanctuary here, please uh, put up your hand and Adrian will come to you with the microphone. Thank you. Dear Lord, we've been reminded of those words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And as we think of the situation in Ukraine, how many of those people must feel forsaken at this time? Martin said God is too pure to look on evil, but he cannot turn his eyes away from that situation. It says in Psalms, you are not a God who takes pleasure in evil. With you, the wicked cannot dwell. You hate all who do wrong. We pray that your judgment will come on this situation. <clears throat> or more words of David from Psalms. It says, he who is pregnant with evil and conceives trouble gives birth to disillusionment. He who digs a hole and scoops it out falls into the pit he has made. The trouble he causes recoils on himself. His violence comes down on his own head. These could be words that apply to Putin and his Russian forces. So, Lord, please act in this situation and bring an end to the violence and the cruelty. We pray this in the name of our Lord, who suffered injustice and cruelty and knows all the pain that that causes. But in his love, we hope that he will bring an end to the situation. Amen. Father God, there is so much suffering in the world, and yet we would just pray this morning for Mary that you will heal the pain that she feels in, in her back and that you will restore her to full health again. And I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.
today, but we look forward to Sunday when we can celebrate with joy your resurrection, the victory, the risen King. And Lord, this Sunday is a really special day in that we've got several people being baptised, Lord, and we want to celebrate in that joy. Mm. We pray that you'll be with them. We pray for Katie and Vicky and Peter and David. Yeah. We also pray for Jon and Luca as they too prepare for their baptism at their church. Lord, we just pray, protect them and give them boldness and courage as they speak and give testimony. And just fill their hearts with joy. Fill us all with that joy, Lord, as we come to celebrate the risen King this coming Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Sharing the the prayer that uh, Jesus taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We're going to stand together and sing our closing song, Come and See.
May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Amen. <laughs>